The second Bible reading is from Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good day done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognised that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them, because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Thanks, Catherine. Thankfully, I haven't hit 40 yet. Makes it sound very old there, doesn't it? Um, we're working our way through the book of Acts. Um, probably offended half of you there, haven't I? Um, I am nearly there. I am nearly there. Um, we're working our way through the book of Acts, aren't we? Uh, and it's been fantastic and exciting uh, and challenging uh, to hear the story of the early church, hasn't it? If you are here last week, you'll remember that uh, we saw a lame man healed by Peter, and the crowd are so astonished that uh, um, they demand an explanation. 
Uh, and Peter stands up and he addresses the crowd and he says, this miracle uh, was a sign to point you to Jesus. Uh, there was a big crowd and there must have been a real commotion in the temple. Uh, and it seems that everybody heard that something was going on. Because at the start of this week's passage, uh, we read that the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees come upon them and they're greatly annoyed that they're teaching in the temple. Uh, they arrest Peter and John. Uh, it's the evening and so they put them in custody overnight uh, to bring them before the council in the morning. And so for the first time in Acts, we hear of uh, believers preaching the gospel, getting put into prison. You see, what Peter and John were teaching challenged the authorities. Uh, it challenged what they taught. Uh, it challenged their authority. Uh, it challenged their worldview. But at the same time, we're told that many, many believe. And the message of Jesus uh, does the same today. It challenges our, our view of ourselves and the world. Uh, and so we'll either recognize who Jesus is uh, or we'll push him away. Uh, as we saw last week, if we're trusting Jesus, uh, we're promised God's amazing blessings. But we're also told that opposition and rejection will often be the result of faithfulness in this life. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, maybe you've experienced that yourself. Uh, you've faced opposition as you've spoken about Jesus. Uh, how are we to respond to that? Well, today's passage speaks into that. Or maybe you're here today uh, and you're just looking into the Christian faith uh, and there are parts of Christianity that challenge uh, your views uh, or those of our culture. And that shouldn't surprise us. Uh, because if Christianity is true, then we should expect that it will challenge and correct uh, us and our society somewhere. Uh, God wants to show us what is right and true, uh, and that will rub up at points against every culture, because none are perfect. Uh, so let me encourage you, if that's you here today, to, to give it a chance, uh, to listen to what Peter says to, to those who are questioning. But first, let's pray. Father God, whatever is on our mind this morning, however our week has been, please quieten our hearts and help us to hear you speaking to us this morning. Please help us to trust and obey. Amen. So Peter and John are arrested, uh, they're jailed overnight, uh, and then they're brought before a council uh, gathered in Jerusalem. All the key leaders were there. Uh, the rulers, the elders, the scribes, uh, they were most likely uh, in semicircles around them. Uh, and you can imagine Peter and John standing before this incredibly intimidating council. Uh, the rulers and elders were part of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. And the scribes were the academics of the day with great learning, those who interpreted the law. And referring to this miracle, which is uh, plain before their eyes because the lame man is there with them standing, they say to Peter and John, by what power or what name did you do this? What an amazing question. I mean, if you were looking for a chance to speak of Jesus, uh, what better question could there be? You can imagine Peter and John thinking, yes, boom, gospel opportunity. And so how does Peter reply? Take a look at verse 10. Here's what he says. 
Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Peter says, everyone, listen, uh, we did this by Jesus Christ, the man you crucified. Uh, and Peter uses this uh, picture of a cornerstone, doesn't he? Uh, the cornerstone is thought to be a, a large stone uh, at the corner of a, a building's foundation. Uh, it was an ornamental stone that identified the building and made it distinctive and gave it meaning. Uh, and we're given this picture of uh, some builders kind of picking up a stone, thinking it looks pretty useless, and chucking it over their shoulder. And yet, thunk, it comes down as the cornerstone. Uh, and Peter says to them, that's what you guys have done with Jesus. Uh, you've rejected the one who is actually the solid foundation, uh, the one who gives meaning to all the scriptures and to life itself. Uh, and there's, there's more to this picture of the cornerstone. Uh, it also harkens back to the Old Testament. Uh, uh, and Peter's audience would most likely have recognized that. Uh, Psalm 118 says, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Uh, and so Peter is saying to them, to the whole council, uh, what you have done is exactly what was prophesied back in the Old Testament. It's exactly what was promised would happen to the Messiah. Uh, even your rejection of Jesus was forecast by the Psalms. And so Peter says, don't miss Jesus. He is the one you've been waiting for. Uh, he is the one who can save. Uh, verse 12, Peter says, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be, we must be saved. There is no other name by which we must be saved. There is absolutely nothing else uh, that could save them back then. And there is nothing else that can save us today. Uh, I read recently of this um, giant temple uh, over in Chicago. Uh, it's a fantastic building with uh, nine porticos, doors, uh, one for each of the nine major world religions, uh, all leading to one central auditorium. Uh, and the architecture is clearly meant to signify that all these different ways lead to the truth. Uh, and many in our culture think like that, don't they? Uh, and it wasn't necessarily that different back in the Roman Empire back then. Uh, they were willing to absorb all kinds of religions and idols uh, and gods. But the early Christians were not willing to simply uh, add Jesus uh, alongside many other gods and religions. Uh, they knew that he is the only way. Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, Jesus makes a clear, exclusive claim on the truth, doesn't he? And then he backs it up by rising from the dead. Uh, we can either believe it or we can reject it. But he doesn't give us the option of just adding him alongside other 
things that we believe or other um, religions. Some may think that sounds scandalously exclusive and that it's superior or, or more enlightened to believe that many paths lead to the truth. Uh, but it's worth remembering that the belief that there is no single truth is itself uh, a bold claim and a statement of belief. And if we think that believing in this exclusive truth might make us arrogant uh, rather than humble towards others, uh, then maybe it's helpful to ask the question, uh, which worldview has the best resources to, um, to be tolerant, respectful, humble towards those that we disagree with. Because at the, the very heart of the Christian faith is something which should destroy self-righteousness and make us humble and loving towards others. It's the fact that we're saved not by ourselves, not by our own good works, but through Christ alone. At the very center of the Christian faith is Jesus. He is the cornerstone, a man dying for his enemies, a man who wouldn't strike back, a man who says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Yes, uh, Christians have been agents of oppression at times, but that's in spite of, not because of, what is at the heart of the Christian faith. And that's why Peter is willing to hold out this offer of salvation to the very people who plotted to kill Jesus, to this council before him. Peter tells them it's all about Jesus. He is the cornerstone. And we need to never forget that as a church family. Uh, Jesus needs to be central, prioritized, pondered. Uh, he is the key to understanding the whole Bible. He is the key to understanding how we think about everything else in life. Uh, and so that's why we want Jesus to be central in everything that we do here at St. Joseph's. Uh, and we need to make sure that we don't let uh, secondary things become our, uh, our passion. Uh, it's so easy to slide into focusing more on uh, creating a nice community uh, or having great music uh, or reaching the needs of our local community. Uh, all of those things are, are great things. But getting to know Jesus needs to be at the center of all that we do. Uh, because that is every person's greatest need. And if Jesus is at the center, then we must speak boldly of him, even in the face of persecution. Now, that's what we see next in this passage. You see, it'd be so easy to miss how bold and courageous Peter and John are here. Uh, Matthew's gospel tells us that in the run-up to Jesus' persecution, uh, the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. Uh, Peter and John are stood before the very same council. And we're told that Caiaphas is there. They're stood before the very mob that tried and condemned Jesus. Uh, and so that question, by what power or what name did you do this? might have seemed like a great gospel opportunity, but most of us would have been paralyzed with fear, stood before that council. But what does Peter do? Well, he, he doesn't run for it, does he? Uh, no, he, he speaks of Jesus with courage and with boldness. Uh, it's easy for us to miss that incredible boldness on hearing this for the first time, uh, or maybe because we've heard it too many times. 
but back at the time, uh, the council certainly don't miss it, do they? Uh, Do you see that in verse 13? Uh, It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Uh, seeing that they are uneducated and co- uh, saying that they are uneducated and common, it uh, might sound uh, like a bit of an insult. Uh, but in the or- original language, uh, those words, um, they mean more that they hadn't had any formal training. Uh, they weren't professionals. They didn't have any official authority. Uh, they were fishermen, not budding scholars. Uh, and yet the council saw that these men spoke with confidence and authority. Uh, they knew their Bible. They're, they're polite. They're upfront. Uh, they're really clear, and the council are astonished. In fact, we're told, verse 14, that when they see the healed man uh, standing beside them, they have nothing to say in opposition. Maybe there were some awkward glances and uh, coughs and, and clearing of throats, but incredibly, they could think of nothing to say. The miracle was clear to see. Uh, And punishing Peter and John would have caused major dissent among the crowds outside who were praising God for what has happened. And so they asked Peter and John to leave them. Tragically, the council aren't interested in Peter and John's message. Uh, They just want to shut it down and keep control. So they charge them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter replies boldly again, doesn't he? Do you see that in verse 19? Peter says, whether, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather uh, in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Uh, Peter and John have seen Jesus' glory. Uh, they know they must listen to God above men, and therefore they cannot help but speak of Jesus. And the challenge to us today is, will we be the same? Psalm 96 says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Uh, God has done a marvelous work in sending Jesus to bless us. Uh, In him we can have our sins blotted out. In him we have a great hope. Uh, And there is no other name by which we can be saved. And so we must be clear even in the face of fear. There were so many reasons, weren't there, that Peter and John could have just clammed up. They might have been worried about their families. Uh, They might have thought that these folks in the council just seemed so much more smart and and, uh, educated than them. Not least they could have worried that they might have lost their own lives. Maybe for us, we might worry about what our friends will think of us. Uh, We might even worry about losing our job. Uh, And maybe speaking boldly like Peter and John seems a long way off for us. But we do need to heed Jesus' warning. Uh, Jesus says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory. So how... How can we grow in boldness uh, individually and as a church family? Uh, Well, here's a few ideas. Firstly, we must pray for the Spirit's fullness and for opportunities. 
We're told in verse 8 that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we see such a clear example in Peter, don't we, of the transformation that that can bring. Uh, Peter went from denying Jesus uh, just before he goes to the cross uh, out of fear uh, to speaking like this boldly before this council. We pray uh, to God not to remove trouble, uh, but for boldness to go through it. Uh, And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us that boldness and to give us opportunities to speak of Jesus. Secondly, we need to step out in faith and practice being bold. We need to be alert to the opportunities and make the most of them when they come along. Paul uh, writes to the Ephesian church and he says, Be very careful in how you live, uh, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Where are the opportunities that that God's given you? Uh, Maybe it's in the workplace, uh, maybe it's at the school gates, uh, maybe it's on a school team. Uh, God wants us to be a light in those places. And we've got opportunities even today, haven't we? Uh, There's an opportunity to go out visiting in the local area after the service. Uh, There's an opportunity to invite people along to the 6.30 or bring them along. Uh, Will we be bold? Uh, And lastly, uh, we must spend time with Jesus to look like Jesus. Uh, Did you see that in in verse 13? Uh, The council are astonished, uh, and then they recognize that Peter and John have been with Jesus. And I don't think it's just that they suddenly kind of recognize their faces. It was also because they saw that Peter and John were like Jesus. Uh, They quoted Psalms. They said that he was the only way. Uh, They spoke with authority. And as we get to know Jesus better uh, by spending time in God's words and and with God's people uh, and by praying that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, then we will we'll get to know Jesus. When we're filled with the Spirit, uh, Christ becomes the focus of our lives. And the more we see Jesus' beauty and majesty, uh, the more we'll have conviction and courage and urgency, uh, and the less we will fear. John uh, Chrysostom The Archbishop of Constantinople uh, clearly knew Jesus and his blessings. Uh, He lived back in uh, around the year 400, uh, and he faced persecution at the hands of the emperor and empress at the time. Uh, He stood before them, uh, and first he was threatened with banishment by the empress, uh, and he responded to her and said this, you cannot banish me, for this world is my father's house. Uh, So the empress said to him, but I will kill you. John replied, no, you cannot, for my life is hid with Christ in God. I will take away your treasures, said the empress. No, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. But I will drive you away from your friends and you will have no one left, said the empress. No, you cannot, said John, for I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you, for there is nothing you can do to harm me. John Chrysostom uh, and Peter and John in our passage knew deep down that ultimately uh, we will stand not before a council of men, uh, but before our creator, before the God of the universe. Uh, And that will be a far more terrifying thing because all of us will fall short of him. 
Uh, but what amazing blessing that in Jesus, uh, the cornerstone, we can have the, the boldness to stand before God, our creator, with confidence. Uh, and who then should we fear? Uh, Jesus didn't die on the cross to, to have us worrying about what someone might say or, or whether a relationship might be affected or, or even if we might be killed. Uh, no, Jesus has ensured that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, uh, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Peter and John clearly knew that, didn't they, when they stood up before that council. Uh, And we can know that as well. Uh, And as we see here in this passage, God's kingdom will not be stopped Um, We're told many people believed, uh, and many people are still believing to this day. So let's pray that we too would be bold in pointing people to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit again and again. Help us to be disciplined in spending time in your words and time with your people and time in prayer. Uh, May the world not be able to miss the fact that we have been with Jesus. Uh, Please please help us to depend on your Holy Spirit. Uh, Whatever it takes, Lord, please decrease the hold that unbelieving fear has over us and increase our boldness to declare the gospel to everyone you put in our path. In Jesus' name, amen.